now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news with Willem van Denderen shortly, and of course our former ITN journo turned pundit Derek Dyson will be joining us throughout the show. Now, in any week in football, there is an avalanche of stories to sift through as we prioritise for the show. But this week, two stories stood out for widely differing reasons. The first was the tragedy of the 125 people who died in a crush at a football match late on Saturday in Malang in East Java. It has become one of the world's worst stadium disasters. So sadly, we've seen this all before. Videos on social media show fans clamouring over fences to escape. Other videos, lifeless bodies on the floor. An absolute tragedy. Our hearts go out to uh, the Indonesians who lost their families' lives. Um, we will talk about it throughout the course of the show. But on the other end of the scale was the Australian Cup final just as we were all being uplifted by the romance of an NPL club making the final for the first time on the eve of the men's A-League season kicking off, football is once again hijacked by the bottom-feeding underbelly of right-wing racists, not only going after their usual target of the Jewish community, but also booing what has become a totem of Australian sport as we reconcile with our First Nations people the welcome to country. We'd love to, but we can't ignore them, so we'll address the issue on the show tonight. But first up in uh, football on the park, the A-League men's season kicks off this week, much expectation, but with a special piquancy this year with World Cup spots still up for grabs. The expansion clubs have settled in with Western United winning last year's grand final and MacArthur FC, the Australian Cup on the weekend, and the Wellington Phoenix actually beginning their season in New Zealand after uh, two years of COVID disruption. To preview it all, one of the most authoritative voices in the game in Australia, former soccer and A-League star with Adelaide United, the ABC's Robbie Cornthwaite. After that news and the latest on Socceroos and Matildas with Willem, then just when Manchester United thought they might be safe to meet their noisy neighbours in a derby, uh, on something more of an equal footing under the Ten Hag regime, along comes the dynamic duo of Erling, Brad Harland and Phil Foden with a hat-trick apiece to prick the balloon. The Guardian's man on the Manchester beat, Jamie Jackson, will look back on the reality check for the Reds and the immensity of Harland coming off a hat-trick of home hat-tricks. Edge, a fair and packed show, uh, but I, I want to ask you, first of all, um, you know a lot about football in Asia um, and um, we know of football crushes and tragedies um, over the course of uh, the last uh, century um, around the world, but uh, but this is uh, this is one of the worst. It is um, football in Indonesia is extremely popular. It is a a real um, opportunity for local people whose lives are very difficult to um, enjoy some time away from from um, making a living in a in a in an economy that's very depressed. Um, so when I first heard news of this, uh, I was shattered. Um, I make my my business, as you know, Rob, is uh, taking fans away to international football events, and um, I've seen football in Indonesia. Uh, they get some of the big clubs get crowds in excess of a hundred thousand on a regular basis. It's a much loved part of Indonesian culture, uh, and we, what we saw was just tragic. Um, um, tear gas uh, pumped into a uh, hostile crowd that was overpopulated uh, in a particular area of the stadium, and uh, and unfortunately we're dealing with the uh, outcomes. And it's not uh, in this year. It's been quite sad. We've had the the situation in Cameroon, and, and now this one. And good 
average normal football fans being let down by authorities uh, regulating the game. Extremely disappointing and uh, very, very, very sad. That is a disaster, Michael. And um, and Willem, um, the other topic I mentioned off the top, um, you know, you're a very close watcher of uh, of the Australian Cup. We all love it on this show, and, and genuine football fans around this country uh, love it. Um, I noticed Lucy Zelich uh, was very strong in her uh, opposition or opposition uh, comments um, about uh, what went on at um, at, at uh, Commonwealth Bank Stadium in Parramatta at the uh, Australia Cup Grand Final. Yeah, very disappointing, but I think not surprising. And I'll, the, the surprising thing for me was that it got this far and that it came to a head during the final because I think, you know, we're all educated pretty quickly on, on matters like this in the old Twitter court these days. And there was plenty of it during the uh, plenty of discussion around uh, Sydney, uh, Croatia and their sort of sections of their fan base uh, during their semi-final win against Brisbane. Uh, so it was interesting that those similar flags and similar behaviours were allowed uh, into the game uh, for the final. So one to discuss in a little bit of detail later on, Robin. I'm looking forward as well to paying uh, Judah MacArthur, uh, who deserve it because their success has been well and truly overshadowed. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're 100% right. And uh, and so since we're talking about A-League clubs, we'll take the opportunity to welcome from the ABC. He had a wonderful career uh, on the park, um, most notably with Adelaide United, but also with the Socceroos. And uh, we welcome Robbie Cornthwaite to Box to Box. Robbie, the A-League kicks off this weekend. Um, we're all very excited. One of the things, as a person who whose day job is working in the advertising industry that I'm uh, most uh, impressed with is in the lead-up to the A-League, uh, that people who don't follow football in Australia would actually know that it's on. I've seen uh, advertising placed both in the AFL and the NRL grand finals. Uh, so the uh, the head office at College Street is actually spending some money promoting the A-League season. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, the the visual of the league is one of the most important things and, and getting the, the word out there that, you know, the, the league is back. Obviously, with the, you mentioned the AFL and the NRL grand finals. Um, you know, the window has been pretty busy in terms of the sporting scene, but that's what you get in Australia. It always is, and we have to try to force our way in. We can't always just sit back and, and wait. But, you know, a lot of the criticism in years gone by, particularly when, you know, we're in the midst of the pandemic, that people didn't know when the games were going to be played. So it is good to see it out there on, uh, you know, adverts on the TV and, and radio and, and print as well. So, yeah, let's hope we can have a big start to the A-League season this weekend. Robbie, before we have a look at this season, just want to touch on a, a hero and a, and a sort of a character of seasons gone by, Matt Simon, who's just announced his retirement uh, on the eve of this campaign. 12 of his 15 spent with the Mariners, uh, 61 goals, but he was more than that. He was he was the character. He was the pandemonium villain for some, uh, and he brought a lot of colour to the game, and you no doubt would have had a few tussles uh, with Matt down the years. I certainly did. I mean, he was that type of player that whenever you had the ball as a centre-back and he was closing you down, you knew you had to get rid of it. I mean, there is some strikers out there, they're pressing you and you know they're kind of doing it just for, for looks and, you, you know, you can sort of dribble away from them. But, you know, Matty, he's the type of guy, you know, if I tackle him, I'm the one that gets hurt. He's all arms and legs, he's elbows. And, um, you know, when I was playing in South Korea in the K-League, he actually got signed to my team as well. So I spent a whole year um, basically living and training with him every single day in the K League and he had a really rough trot over there with injury but you know I'm you know with the, the, with what he was given as a footballer I think uh, he couldn't have asked for for anything else he, he gave absolutely everything he had to the game and um, he was the heart and soul of the Mariners although he went to Sydney for a little while won some silverware um, he's certainly a, an icon of the A-League and someone who's going to be missed, but also uh, remembered fondly. Nicely said, yeah, someone certainly who's given a, a hell of a lot to our league over over the journey. Uh, the season hasn't even started yet. 
Robbie, but there's already a, a sort of fluctuating storyline around Dwight York at MacArthur. Lots of scepticism uh, around his initial appointment, but they've scored 19 goals in his five games and already lifted a bit of silverware. So they'd have to, given they've got more exposed form than anyone, uh, be right up there to be fancied at this early point of the, of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, their first season was uh, was pretty good in the league. I think they got to a semi-final with Ante Milicic. And then last year, a lot of criticism about the way that they played. They had the likes of De Silva, De Villa, uh, Craig Noon, but they played a very defensive style of game. I think people wanted to see more from them, more flair and, um, and, and a little bit more beautiful football. And I think that's what Dwight York's done. I mean, I was one of those people that thought, you know, maybe it was a, a bit of one of those sugar hit signings that we, we talk about, you know, a big name, try to get a bit of publicity from MacArthur. Hadn't coached before, so it was a lot of question marks, but I mean, so far, so good. I mean, the football that they played even uh, in the FFA, sorry, the Australia Cup final, you know, giving that license to Azani and, and you look at what he's, he's been able to get Toure back to his best. Um, he showed glimpses last season, but he looks fit and firing and um, defensively, they look really rock solid. You mentioned how many goals that they've scored. With his record as a player, Dwight York, you would hope um, that they want to play attacking, um, free-flowing football, but it's done with a structure and a discipline. And I think the frightening thing is there's probably a lot of improvement still left, particularly in that front third, I think. MacArthur's win has been overshadowed a little bit. We talked a little bit off the top with um, uh, what's happened with Sydney United. But can you just um, just give us your thoughts? Um, there's a lot of goodwill around at the moment for the development of a second tier of football. But uh, incidents that happened on the weekend uh, potentially undermine that. Just uh, can I have your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, condemn all those actions and, and anyone that was there promoting anything that we don't want part of our game is uh, completely unacceptable. Um, in terms of a national second division, that's something that uh, you know, the league and, and the powers that be are going to have to really look into now. What kind of um, you know restrictions would they have to place? We know that they had, uh, I, I can't remember the exact terminology, but going back a few years, you, know, you weren't allowed to bring flags. You weren't allowed to bring um, these sorts of things to matches and that sort of got overturned as well. And um, you know, in years gone by, you wouldn't. I don't think you'd be able to bring those Croatian uh, flags into the game. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, obviously it really overshadowed um, what was an amazing spectacle in terms of an NPL uh, side getting into a final. And and I think the beauty is Macarthur haven't let that affect them. They're still going to be on cloud nine. They're going to still um, they've still created history. They've still got the narrative of um, winning the first trophy, the, the Ulysses de Villa. Um, off-season, which was so tragic for him and, and for his family. We saw Mo Toure, uh, sorry, Al-Hassan Toure in tears after the game. I think they're the storylines that we need to promote and, and talk about. The other stuff, yes, it needs to be spoken about. It needs to be condemned. It needs to be punished. I think some of the statements that have come out have, um, have been quite strong and, and well, um, well done to those. And It's always going to be difficult to see what happens from here, but I think we're unified in saying that uh, 99.9% of us don't want any part of that in, in football. And, and, and the clubs that are, you know, have those people in their club, then they don't deserve to be part of football at any level. Put you on the spot, I want you to pick the big improver uh, in this A-League season and who's going to be the big slider. Well, uh, I hate to say it every single year, but you would expect the Wanderers um, to be one of the big improvers. Um, I spoke to Oli Bozanic uh, only a week and a half ago and he was sort of saying, it's a real player-driven um, improvement environment. I've seen some of the social media stuff coming out of that club and they all look like a really happy bunch. They look like they've 
bought in and, and invested. And it really is a new squad. So all that sort of negativity or, or anything that was going on within the team in the past shouldn't really be there because a lot of those players have been moved out. As a club, it's sort of part of, uh, you know, the last five years, pressure from the fans, the board obviously um, haven't gotten things right. But Mark Rudin, he's the one under pressure now because everyone else that's gotten their own team hasn't been able to make it work. He's gotten his own team now, so it's up to him to make sure that they're successful. I think top four for Wanderers, or it's another failure. Finals, just scraping into finals isn't good enough because, you know, you could almost have the same points as you had last season to make the finals in, in some cases. So we need to see a drastic improvement. I think top four um, for them has to be the goal. In terms of a slider, that's a tough one. I mean, West United came out of nowhere to win it last year. I'd be surprised if they can maintain what they were able to do. I'm not saying they're going to miss out in the top six or anything like that, but um, I don't think anyone really tipped them to do as well as they did. Maybe, you know, around that fourth, fifth position, um, Johnny A back coaching. You know, can they back it up now with uh, a target on their back? I think they they might be the ones to watch. Whether they're going to be a slider or not, I'm not too sure, but... I think that's going to be an interesting story. Uh, a hugely exciting storyline that everyone's going to have their eye on is, of course, Garan Quoll sealing that deal to Newcastle. But he's going to have a bit of a farewell tour, which is remarkable for a player who's never actually started uh, a match. <laughs> Comparisons drawn to Daniel Arzani, but Daniel had played a little bit more football uh, at that point of his career when he was picked in the 2018 uh, Russia squad. He couldn't really get there, could he, to the World Cup? I don't know. I mean, Azani did get there. I mean, he he got there and he played. I mean, obviously his career didn't go the way that everyone would hope. I'm excited by what I'm seeing um, from him at MacArthur. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to playing, watching him play week in, week out. That doesn't mean I think he's going to be in the World Cup squad or back in the Socceroos, but I'm just excited to be able to see a player of that ability week in, week out taking on players. The Garan Qual situation, 26-man squad, bigger squads than we usually see. There's every chance you take him. I mean... You two nil down against uh, against France. I mean, you might as well chuck him on. He might pinch a goal. He might create something. He might win you a penalty, and then it could flip the game on its head. So, the beauty of players of that age is they actually don't really care. It reminds me of Matthew Leckie when he burst onto the scene. They're almost playing without fear. They're playing as if they're back in the park or at school. They, they don't really have any rules or instructions when they go out there. They've got a they've got a guideline, but they're it's not like they're starting in the middle of midfield against France where they're under strict instructions. It's basically go out there and just be free and just run around. And the only thing that can really happen for you is, is to be a hero. So I think with the trajectory that he's on and um, the confidence that he has, and he'd be on cloud nine, I think there's every chance you, you give him that 26 spot. And at some point, you might chuck him on. We'll let you go. Um, enjoy the, the A-League men's season as it's coming up. There's still a, a month or so away before the women's kicks off and the, and the World Cup to come. And uh, if uh, if we can indulge ourselves a little bit, Robbie, we might uh, ask you to come back on again and, uh, and talk a bit closer to, to the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Qatar uh, World Cup kicking off. Thanks very much. On you, Robbie Cornthwaite. Okay, stick around. After the break, we are going to get stuck into a little bit more Socceroos and Matilda's news with Willem on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. Great chatting with Robbie Cornthwaite there. Uh, wonderful uh, A-League champion with Adelaide United, Socceroo. Uh, but uh, we can talk more Socceroos and Matildas in a moment. But, Willem, you got a bunch of news for us? 
I do, Rob, and we've touched on this a couple of times already, but I think it's probably worthwhile getting uh, our teeth into it properly. MacArthur have lifted silverware for the first time in their history, defeating Sydney United 2-0 in the Australia Cup final. Their success was overshadowed by the behaviour of sections of the United crowd who booed the Welcome to Country ceremony and were seen making pro-Nazi gestures. Football Australia on Monday promised strong and swift action to determine culprits on top of the eight evictions on the night. And Michael, on what was... Uh, meant to be and what in many ways was a brilliant celebration of our two eras. Uh, We're now presented with the intersection uh, that we're trying to massage together and this is an unpleasant reminder uh, of where we've been and unfortunately what we may face again. Yeah, look, um, um, it's amazing, you know, there has been five years of goodwill developed for the um, uh, re-emergence of these traditional clubs into the football pyramid. Um, The very positive um, developments around uh, the potential for a national second division and um, some of the fans who support Sydney United Sydney United 58 have undone a lot of that in uh, one evening. So um, it's a big issue. It needs to be confronted. It needs to be condemned, but we need to see action on the ground um, and we need to see these people dealt with um, appropriately because um, it takes away from the wonderful heritage that our game has. By all means, Croatian um, Australians who support Sydney United uh, 58 should be able to go to that game. They should be wave their flags and they should be able to celebrate their heritage, but not in a way that uh, denigrates and uh, is discriminatory to others. Um, I'm very much in the camp that uh, these foundations and ethnic traditions in our game should be celebrated, but uh, that was wrong. It was out of line and it needs to be dealt with in the strictest and harshest possible way. And Edge, uh, look, as somebody who, who grew up, um, I'm very proud of my Lebanese heritage, but equally I'm very aware of the pejorative uh, insults that uh, that are um, common um, towards uh, people of, of, of that half background of my beautiful mother. Um, I read um, Lucy Zelich's comments, um, and I'm just going to read something out here that she wrote, and, and, and uh, you know, Feel free to put the blip in there, Damo, if you want to. But growing up with an ethnic background, I knew what it was like to be on the receiving end of racism, was told to fuck off back to a Croatia, you wog. I was confused because Australia was my home and we were so proud of it. I was born in the 80s and was never raised to be a fascist, racist or anti-Semitic and it wasn't an option. We knew that being treated differently because of your ethnicity and losing loved ones senseless war what it felt like she goes on and 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 the point there is that we're all uh, in furious agreement that the croatian people are a wonderful people uh, as wonderful as any other nation around the country but it's these bottom feeding um underbelly uh, uh, that um that exists that that infiltrate that and and look we we expect the uh, administrators and and the authorities to to do what they can to stop it um but i don't know that we can uh, we can um, be excessively harsh on these people who infiltrate um, games like this. I know that there's a lot of policing that does need to be done, but I do think we've got to cut them some slack um, and and land the blame fairly and squarely. It should be um, where it should be with those uh, um, those so-called uh, frauds uh, of football fans that uh, that uh, um, that infiltrated the game. The EP flag, which I touched on before we spoke to, to Robbie, in the Nazi framework. Now, I didn't quite understand what this was about when I watched that semi-final against Brisbane Brawl, but Michael, it was sort of smack bang there, apparent for the camera to see it, and it looked ugly. It's it's got the Nazi framework around it. Um, 
I wasn't too sure what it was. Uh, quick sort of Twitter search and people are condemning it, saying that this is sort of frequent at Sydney United games. Apparently, there was a bit of a shallow probe into it before the cup final and they just passed it off saying EP stands for Adenza Park. That seems pretty sort of tame uh, tame to me. So it seems like this has been going on for a long time. If you sort of look below the surface, uh, it's ugly, it's not pleasant, but yeah, it now needs to be confronted uh, if these clubs are to be part of the game in a more national way, which is, of course, uh, what we want. I want to give MacArthur their due as well. Uh, Ulysses Davia, what a story that is. We know he unfortunately lost his wife, uh, very, very unfortunately, tragically, uh, over the off-season. He won the Mark Viduka medal for best on, uh, drew one penalty, slotted the second, uh, and immediately Edge gave the medal to uh, Gino Mara, the chairman, to say thank you for the support that he and his family have received uh, this year. Yeah, amazing story. I mean, what we can't imagine what that guy's been through. Um, and in times like that, uh, your football club, where you're, uh, you know, undertaking your professional capacity becomes your support network and family. So I imagine everybody at that club has felt it uh, extremely closely and um, they carried a lot of that into their performance on the weekend. You could see uh, how emotional the players were for De Villa and, um, and the group generally. And it sounds like uh, he's a wonderful person and, He'll need support for a long time, no doubt about it. Um, and that is the storyline. It's just a shame we're not talking about that off the top of the show rather than what you discussed. And um, it, these things get back to leadership, Willem. You said in that earlier comment, um, you know, Sydney United leadership, they should have been on the front foot. They should have been predicting this and they should have been counselling and educating their supporter base to not undermine the momentum behind what's been created in a fantastic way, and they didn't, and they need to be held accountable. The Indonesia story, uh, again, guys, 125 uh, dead and another 300 injured after the, the riot and then the stampede at Java's Kunjurahan uh, Stadium. Use of crowd-controlled gas is strongly condemned by FIFA. Uh, Gianni Infantino stated, this is a dark day for all involved in football and a tragedy beyond uh, comprehension. And a BBC eyewitness who was on the ground said police fight continuously and fast uh, tear gas rounds uh, Rob. And one of the most memorable moments of my life was visiting the Hillsborough at uh, at Anfield. Um, the the uh, the memory still of of the ninety seven who died on that devastating day in April nineteen eighty nine uh, are, are not forgotten. Seven hundred and sixty six injuries as well uh, over and above. So you know when we're still seeing these sorts of things happen all these years later, admittedly in uh, you know what are third world economies, but um, but the um, the you know the, the the influence and the the capacity of FIFA to to spread its uh, its largesse, the money that it has um, to to uh, countries that that need it and resources that uh, that need to be improved um, is something that's not lost on me. No, and uh, it gets back to administrators, Rob, doesn't it? Um, their ability to manage um, stadiums, um, make sure police are educated, and these sort of um, disastrous actions don't unfold. So, um, yeah, as I said off the top of the show, I'm deeply feeling for all the families associated with this. The ricochet of this uh, incident will last a long time in Indonesia. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just tragic. People go to the football to get a relief from their tough lives and, you know, they don't come home. It's not good. Move to Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army. Still time to book a last-minute trip to Qatar and cheer on the Socceroos at the 2022 World Cup. And there are tickets flying everywhere uh, at the minute. So if that's your concern, uh, don't worry. You will get them. But you want to be quick about it, head to ggatravel.com.au. The Matildas are back in action this this week. That's come around quickly. Uh, they've been forced into three changes to their original squad. Uh, they're playing South Africa in London. And then they had to Viborg study on uh, in the early hours of Wednesday, uh, October the 12th. 
off. Emily Van Egmond, Tamika Yellop, Claire Wheeler, and Kaya Simon are out. Uh, Emma Checker, Matilda McNamara, and Remy Seamson are in. Uh, Michael, Remy having scored three in her last five uh, for AIK in Sweden. Yes, um, not getting any highlights, so I don't know sort of whether they've been um, you know industrious goals or tap-ins, but at the end of the day, she's starting to find her feet and get some goals, and uh, she's in to cover for a Kaya Simon who's injured again. And uh, that must be a concern for uh, Tony Gustafsson and um, Mel Andrietta and the rest of the, um, you know, the, the head on shows in the Matildas program because Kaya is much loved and very uh, rated in that group. So uh, she misses again. Big, uh, a big question mark over the longevity of uh, her approach and preparation for uh, World Cup next, uh, next June and July. July and August, I should say. Around the grounds in Clubland, Mackenzie Arnold was in the thick of it for West Ham in the League Cup. Uh, they had a two-all draw with the London City Lionesses and then advanced 10-9 on penalties. So I'm not sure how well she actually did if she shipped nine penalties, even if even uh, in a win. Kyra Cooney-Cross was on the score sheet for Hammerby as well. And to the gents, here we go. Tom Rogic on the park for West Brom, starting and playing an hour in a loss to Swansea. Martin Boyle and Keanu Backus both scored in wins in Scotland, but unfortunately there was an injury for Ryan Strain. Uh, and... To finish, Michael, I want to head to Korea. Lockie Jackson has scored for Suwon in a two-old draw with Gimchi on Sangmu. Do you remember the last time he scored for Suwon? That was one of the great goals by one of the most unlikely it sources uh, you're ever likely to come across, I think. It was, and uh, good on him. Um, good to see he's uh, making his way in, uh, in a very good league, the Cato League. Over to you, Rob. Let's wrap. Absolutely. Let's well done, Willem. Uh, very well done. Okay, uh, we're going to bring uh, our great uh, mate Derek Dyson off the bench and uh, join us in a moment. After the break, we're going to talk to Jamie Jackson about the Manchester derby uh, from The Guardian. He's uh, been a wonderful uh, contributor to us in the past and uh, he will join us after the break on Box to Box. Oh, it's our good friends at Hoots Food again, making sure when we cook, we absolutely love it. Now, I cooked, Michael, uh, last night whilst I was watching um, the TV, some uh, some highlights of, of great football matches on Bean Sports, a Lebanese bean stew. Um, and you know what I put in it? about a half a jar of mixed spices, which uh, in Lebanon is called Razel Hanout, but it's a combination of cumin and cinnamon and a whole range of different spices. And you cook rice and yogurt on top. It's absolutely fantastic. Sort of stuff you'd be eating over there in the Middle East, Michael. Well, funny you say that. Last night, Rob, I'm staying in a new area and I went for a bit of a walk and it was like Pakistan, Afghanistan, Central, and there was this little kebab place. And I went in there and it looked pretty clean and I got a Coke Zero and I had a kebab. I wasn't too hungry. It was only a small, skinny one. And when I ate it, I thought, these guys must be using white spices. It was that good. <laughs> exactly. They would have been using the Razel Hanut or otherwise known on your Coles Woolworths or your independent supermarket uh, as Hoyt's. Um, Willem, you're, you're appearing on the interestingly uh, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I cooked up a, a coconut chicken curry uh, this week, Robin. It was the turmeric and the cardamom, uh, the cardamom, I should say, from uh, from Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. But what was it that I have to try this week? Razagul. Raz El Hanout, R-A-S-E-L-H-A-N-O-U-T. But it's called Mixed Spices. I, I promise you, if you want to get authentic Middle Eastern flavours into your food, get a hold of that. And it's at Coles Woolworths and all independent supermarkets. So if you've got the empty jars in your pantry, get a hold of uh, some Hoyt's value packs and fill them up and you will not be disappointed. Our good friends Johnny Accardo and the whole Accardo family at Hoyt's supporting Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
Yes, this is box to box. And when you're a local boy, um, you've been a, a ball boy for your own club. You finally get to wear your club shirt and get picked as a superstar uh, in your club side and you score a hat-trick. You'd think that you might be the man that everybody's talking about, but he's not Phil Foden, the man that everybody's talking about. It's a certain uh, Norwegian uh, who is taking all before them. And uh, we saw over the last 48 hours uh, that side we're talking about, Manchester City, the formerly known noisy neighbours, absolutely destroy uh, their much-vaunted and formerly more successful opponent, Manchester United. And the man on the beat in Manchester with the Guardian who was... uh, at the game, watching it all unfold was is Jamie Jackson, and we welcome Jamie back to Box to Box. How are you, Jamie? Very well, thank you ever so much for inviting me on. No, not at all, Jamie. Well, uh, I mean, you, you know the uh, uh, the strength of the Manchester brands of both uh, stripes uh, around the world. Obviously, United more so than than City, but uh, uh, that Manchester derby is is. If it's not uh, uh, the the leading uh, derby fixture in in world sport, it's uh, it's in the the top handful. That's for absolute sure and certain. And uh, when Phil Foden scored that opening goal, uh, uh, if it wasn't already fired up, uh, the way he gave the uh, shush to uh, uh, the away fans uh, underlined it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, City nearly scored a few minutes before that. Um, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva had a couple of shots and De Gea saved and McTominay off the line more or less. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, before the game, you always get asked for predictions and I was sort of, I'll be honest, I was wavering. I was thinking, well, United might get a draw and I was sort of saying City 3-2. But the way they started, what I did actually also say beforehand and I think it's maybe been proven a little bit is I think they might end up obliterating the league this season, you know, running away from, with it from the rest of the pack for all kinds of reasons, but essentially because they're brilliant. So the way they played yesterday, I've seen them do that so many times, especially at their place. So obviously, I see every home game. But to do it against the United, who have, you know, the sort of cross-town rivals of one of the last four league games, and the manner in which she did it, I mean, it was, you know... I mean, I've seen so many good performances, but as I think now, it's got to be one of the best under Guardiola, if not the best. Uh, and then, of course, yet Haaland, as you sort of previewed there, um, he said before the game, he thinks he can become better. And there is no doubt about it. We're seeing him become better um, as he plays in our league. I know he did this in Norway, uh, Austria and Germany. You know, just score a hat for ridiculous numbers. But um, I don't think there's too much argument. And I'm not saying this in an arrogant way, but it's probably a tougher league, the Premier League. And to come in and basically 17 goals now in 10 games, three consecutive home hat-tricks. And I suppose there's many things I like about him. But most of what I like about him is I think he's actually got a, a sort of bit of a twinkle in his eye, he plays with a, bit of a smile. I don't mean in a sort of arrogant way necessarily, he just sort of enjoys himself because he is so good, I suppose. But you know, he could go another way. Thierry Henry was quite, was a brilliant, brilliant player, but quite serious. But Haaland's got a little bit of a persona about him. So you're getting a bit of charisma. And for me, you, you, my, my favourite, and actually the way in which I rate great sports people is they have to have a bit of charisma as well as, you know, the, the goods, the talents. And I think he, he's got both. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was a surprise and it wasn't that much of a surprise. As you also said there, Phil Foden is from Stockport, down the road from where I'm speaking now. You know, he's a local lad, Sports City, scores a hat-trick and he's kind of overshadowed. But that's a, that's a beautiful story in itself, Phil Foden scoring a hat-trick, you know. Um, a great sort of protégé of Pep Guardiola, if you like, who's just coached him superbly. And yeah, I mean, being in that stadium yesterday, as I always say, is a privilege, you know, to do my job. See how those fans 
enjoyed themselves and the way in which the whole team enjoyed themselves. One of my favourite moments was the 4-0 up and the, the, uh, the, the left-back, well, the, the guy who, comes on to, who had come on to replace Walker, Gomez, um, he didn't even give the ball away, but he didn't pass exactly where Guardiola, on his touchline, thought he should sort of forward, essentially. He gave him an absolute roasting. And that is how excellent, how driven Guardiola is in this team. Even when they're 4-0 up, you know, the, I think mean, he's 21-year-old, the Spanish lad I'm mentioning. You know, he's new to the team, but if you go into that team, you expect to be treated exactly like De Bruyne, Haaland, you know. And, and afterwards, of the many quotes that he said about Haaland, you know, generally the game, one that maybe stood out was a little bit different, was he came here and saw his mates, his friends, his teammates, run like animals, as in, you know, for each other, chase down, put in the work, and so he does the same. And we're looking at Ferb... I can't give him a higher compliment, really, than we're looking at Fergo's so many in numbers in terms of league titles. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson, 13 Premier League titles, an absolute joke statistic, really. And this this gentleman, Pep, got four and five and probably going to do three in a row, you know, to sort of equal what Ferguson did twice. Yeah, and I tell you what, Pep was probably, despite the manner of the performance, I bet you was really annoyed about those two goals at the end there as well that um, obviously, at least on the very superficial level, gave... Uh, the result of a bit of a better look from from Manchester United. They were, they were blown away for sure. But looking towards the back, all the plaudits this season have been around Haaland in particular, and we all know about City's firepower. But at the other end, there's another player who's come in, Akanji. Um, yeah. For those people that are not watching every game in the Premier League, uh, could you tell us a little bit about him and what he's bringing to the side? Yeah, it's great that you picked him out because, you know, it's always interesting to look at sort of less obvious with regard to the prevailing narrative. There was a moment yesterday, actually, um, where he, you know, he's a centre-back, he came from Dortmund. He, he was, as usual, City get these players in for sort of bargains. I mean, Haaland, 51, this guy, Akanji, I think 17 or 18 million. Anyway, he, you know, he's a centre-back, you know, first, but he picks the ball up in that sort of classic Pep Guardiola, if you like, quarterback, sweeper, central defender position, you know, where he has to be able to play football. He just floats a lovely ball along the right to Kyle Walker. And United have sprung, you know, you know, they're the, the turned and, and walk, Walker's away. And, and that's, that's from a guy, as I say, as a defender first. Um, it's interesting, he preferred him and Ake, but certainly him, Akandu, because he's a new boy, to Diaz yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yesterday. He's basically, you know, one of the, the captains, if not the you know, de facto captain. And, you know, I thought it was a bit strange. What do I know compared to Guardiola? And yeah, Akanji has come in. I mean, you know, it's the old thing. If you are a well-oiled, sleek machine, it's very it's easier, let's say, to add players, of course, because you're coming in, you know, the whole unit's working anyway, and it's an amazing team. But yeah, it's just, it, 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 he's one of the more interesting sort of stories so far that's gone unnoticed. And, it's, you know, so it's, it, it's, it's great that you, you pick him out because that, that worked basically you know I mean part of it is of course City is so dominant and United bottled it I'd say you can lose at City of course you can but um, Ten Hag apart from a very strange comment about Ronaldo which maybe we'll go on to um, converse about you know he got it right in his post-game comment, comment saying yeah, listen you know it's unacceptable not to have courage because you know what he's basically saying and I'm, I'm, you know he will have said to his players go out there and just play and if you play with courage, if we lose, it doesn't matter. It matters, but it doesn't matter because, you know, you tried, you know. But if you're not going to go out there and sort of show some pluck, an actual, you know, sort of desire to, to show off how good you are, then, 
you shouldn't really be in that team. And I, I would suggest this is, you know, this is a major issue for uh, Ten Hag. I know it's only one game, but it's the way in which they were blown away, basically. So that's not great. Were there uh, any green shoots at all for United and Ten Hag, uh, or just beyond the, you know beyond the fact that they don't have to go back to the Etihad this season? They're gonna, you know, was there anything about the performance? I mean, I mean, I say for the United fans to take away, well, they weren't there to see it, were they? By by half. <laughs> yeah, they left a lot. Um, very good question again. Uh, I'm struggling off the top of my head. I would say if we look at the wider picture. I think what he's done with Ronaldo is green shoots. Uh, because, you know, he's had the courage to drop him, basically. He didn't bring him on yesterday, did he? Uh, he brought on Martial, who scored a couple of gloomy penalty. Now, I referred to a, a comment earlier. Afterwards, he asked about that. He was at, the question was, because you brought on Martial, and obviously he didn't start, is he now essentially or effectively your third, your number three central strike, in other words, you know, big demotion? And the answer was kind of what, what what's, you know, been made a bit of, which was out of, out of respect to his great career, I didn't bring him on. Now, he's obviously Dutch. Maybe the meaning of this has been slightly missed because is he really saying that a guy, any player really, but a guy who earns half a million a, a week, which is kind of what he does, 490, Ronaldo, shouldn't, be, shouldn't come on when the team needs him. I mean, it's just, you know, it sounds ridiculous to even float the idea that's what he said, but that was the quote. Um, I mean, I gave you the question there just in case maybe he meant when he when he responded out of his great career i'm not going to say where he's ranked as my striker i'm i'm hoping that's what he what he meant because it it just was a very odd thing to say i mean you know what does that say to the other players well you you do you do deserve to go on and be part of a 6 free route um but yeah so i think what he's done with ronaldo generally though sort of demoted him is a big call and the right one i mean ronaldo didn't help himself because he made it clear he wanted to leave in the summer so that sort of strengthened ten hag's hand with regard to dropping him you know you can obviously drop a player even more if he doesn't want to be there uh, now the reason why i say that's a green shoot thing is because i don't think you're going to get anywhere long term with a player who doesn't want to play the way the manager wants to play which is sort of fast and you know lots of stamina um i don't know really it's difficult i think you know rashford uh, maybe rashford was carrying a knock because he, he was sort of player of the month here premier league player of the month uh, because, you know, the sort of start he's made. But he just looked kind of half-awful again yesterday. And, you know, can they make top four? I think if they finish fourth this season, then that, 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 you know, would be a result for them. I'm looking around the team. I'm thinking, I don't know, Martinez wasn't effective yesterday. Uh, Varane, I don't know. Went down with an injury. It's not his fault, but he seems to be quite injury prone. Obviously, it's going to be a more negative prism after a performance like that. But that's, to a certain extent, all you can go and get, go on because they come up against the best team, um, you know, probably in the world. So I don't know. I, I think the the best thing I can say is I think they have got since Ferguson left. I think they've got the best manager that they've had since Ferguson left, which is Ten Hag. I really believe that. I might be proved completely wrong. He might be gone by Christmas. Who knows in football? But I just think the way you know, I was on tour. With him when they went to Australia and Thailand and in Melbourne, we had a sit down with him. And just, you know, obviously, when you're talking to someone in person for a little bit of time, you get more of an idea. It's not the exact science. But I thought, yeah, he's an intelligent bloke. He actually says stuff which he might not say a lot in terms of the actual volume, but what he says, you know, carries some meaning. And, you know, you look at his Ajax teams, you know, the way he sort of 
was in a way brave enough to basically say, yeah, I've, I've absolutely rollicked the players yesterday. Now, to a certain extent, what else can he say? But other managers might have thought, oh, it's Manchester United, I don't want to upset them. So I think I think he's the biggest positive for them. Um, but you've got to remember, he has just spent the most of any manager since Ferguson in a window, 200 million plus. Um, so to a certain extent, he's, apart from De Jong, Frankie De Jong, he's, he was given what he wanted. So it is down to him a little bit as well. But, you know, it's going to take time. Well, Jamie is a, a man who, who watches uh, both uh, the Manchester sides in the Premier League. Uh, we, uh, we're really grateful for your insights and your time. No. Mate. Um, it's just going to be fascinating to to, to watch um, whether this uh, juggernaut of uh, of City continues on, <laughs> yes. crushes all before them, and and whether this is a speed hump along the way of the the regeneration of United under Ten Hag. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Not at all. Jamie Jackson from The Guardian. Get uh, onto The Guardian and you'll read some of the best copy on on, on the Manchester uh, uh, sides in the Premier League. Okay, stick around. After the break, we're going to wrap it up with World Cup Corner on box to box Michael, it's time to stock up and save. What do you think? Oh, oh woohoo! Tennis warehouse! Absolutely. If you want to... Save on OptiSlim VLCD Platinum Plus Chocolate or Vanilla. Get into Chemist Warehouse right now. 18 sachets for just $52.99. Naturopathica Fat Blaster Platinum and Thermoburn 40 capsules for $25.19. Stock up on INC Plant Protein 2 kilogram range Willem for just $48.99. It's a circle of life at Chemist Warehouse, Rob, especially at this time when you can get the rig out. It's all about the protein powder. Then you need the magnesium so you can lighten up and go again. You need the, uh, or I need the solar solution for my contacts so I can look down at the scales and see the gains. Chemist Warehouse, circle of life this time of year. Jeez, he's been preparing, Edge. Um, I'll have to give him a pay rise. <laughs> Vital strength pre-workout, raspberry rush, get a hold of that too, Willem. 225 grams for $27.99. And Masashi Tribulus Plus 60 capsules for $14.34. Chemist Warehouse, where the great savings are every single day. Now, before we go, I want to give a shout out to Mario Tasconi, who uh, was the very first person who supported this show way back when. Mario ran in his first ever marathon on the weekend in Melbourne. Now, Mario's not quite 50, but he ran the Melbourne Marathon in three hours and 23 minutes, can you believe? I mean, at my peak when I was in my early 30s, I once ran one in three hours, 53, but that is elite. So a big shout out to Mario, who is a Fennigan machine for running that uh, Melbourne Marathon time. Our good mate Mario, who got us up and running all those years ago from Chemist Warehouse. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Okay, this is Box to Box World Cup Corner. Um, we've got a couple of little stories, just those little tidbits and highlights as we we count down the days towards uh, Willem jumping onto the big bird and heading over to Qatar to join Edge. Uh, uh, what have you got? What were your favourite World Cup stories this week, Willem? Well, it's been a highly politicised World Cup, Rob, as it probably should be. Need to bring these issues to light. And Denmark and their kit manufacturer Hummel have released an all-black kit ahead of the World Cup. They've said it's toned down in the colour of mourning in honour of the migrant workers who have lost their lives. FIFA's rules prohibit political statements on team kits, uh, but this abides by the guidelines because there are no words or symbols or anything, really. It's just uh, it's just a, a pretty much a slimmed-down full black, or they've also got a red or a white uh, kit. Uh, they've worn the, the red uh, version in their recent Nations League win over France. Uh, the, you can see the numbers, Derek, and you can see the tournament badges, but outside of that, uh, you're also going to be able to see the One Love armband, which they've adopted uh, for their captain. But 
yeah, we've said that these these are going to come out. How how nations are going to handle these uh, these concerns and how they're going to express their uh, their their non agreement with a lot of Qatar's practices. And this is how Denmark are going to stick their flag in the ground. Yeah, um, Denmark have been at the forefront of. Uh, wrestling, I suppose, with their conscience around playing in this tournament. And yeah, the clits are devoid of any interest at all. I'm sure we'll talk about our favourite World Cup kits at some point during the tournament, but this is definitely not going to be one. It looks like something I would come up against in the Heelsville Futsal League, to be honest with you, a pretty pretty bland affair, but it is also uh, a way of... uh, raising uh raising some points about about the tournament and um you know that there are still fans i was listening to a um uh, another podcast uh recently saying that there are england uh, football uh, supporters association don't uh, they've got um lgbtq plus fans who um don't know whether they can go to qatar they still haven't it still hasn't been confirmed that you know there's some very very broad brush statements around um yes it will be safe but they're not actually answering the question whether two men or two women can walk down the street and hold hands and whether that's not going to be uh, a problem um so this is uh this is Denmark's way of of doing it and and you know there's nowhere to hide it's going to be there on the screen during at least three matches of the uh, tournament and possibly more because Denmark are one of the favourites, and people like us will now talk about it on on our own uh, our own organs as well. And uh, it's not the only uh, kit controversy. I note uh, Willem too, because um, there was a bit of a war going on between uh, Morocco and Algeria, literally at the moment. They, they dispute territory in North Africa, and uh, the Moroccan culture ministry is furious with the Algerian uh, football team Adidas kit which they believe is uh, been appropriating Moroccan culture in terms of the uh, design uh, on the kit. Um, so there's uh, some controversy around that Algeria kit that we're going to see. And I think even Rob dropped into this uh, into our group this week, one about Brazil as well, and the, mm. uh, the, the politicization of the Brazil shirt uh, and the Brazil elections are going on right now. I couldn't pray to tell <laughs> tell you what exactly is happening. And this is a football podcast, but a politicization of that famous uh, uh, yellow uh, and blue kit, uh, different political people and bodies are using it as a kind of vehicle to, to their own end. So... Who'd have thought it? Eh? Just, just, uh, just some kits, but uh, it's causing mm. problems all over the place. Yeah, well, that article that that I mentioned was uh, was uh, uh, on the BBC Sport website headline. Uh, if you want to read a Brazil election, how the famous yellow football shirt has become politicised, and uh, it tells the story of a twenty-year-old Gonçalves de Oliveira who uh, who raced into his local store to get his hands on the uh, the World Cup kit, and uh, uh, the shop owner assumed that he supports the current government because he was buying the shirt and started to rage against the left-wing candidate Lula Um, and it goes on but the whole point was that uh, to avoid a confrontation the young fellow pretended to be a supporter uh, such is the politicization of of the kit. Uh, I I guess if we just rewind a little bit um, to the Denmark uh, uh, story it does put into sharp focus uh, with a lot of these stories coming out what uh, what Australia will do the questions haven't been asked uh, that I've seen in in the mainstream media uh, because we'll be playing Denmark and uh, we'll be on the world stage, and that uh, kit will be uh, will be um, highlighting the, the story when it happens. So, uh, uh, we'll watch with interest um, and 
maybe ask a few questions ourselves one. Yeah, speaking to a couple of people at the PFA, Jackson Irvine and Matt Ryan are apparently very much the two senior figures within the Socceroos camp and they're doing their due diligence and they're asking the right questions and I'm sure that in time uh, we will see a statement and a, a demonstration of some sort uh, from the Aussie side. Uh, Derek, you've uh, you've come to World Cup Corner and you've just, uh, you've just dropped something uh, on me there which is uh, perhaps concerning people actually on the ground in Qatar during the World Cup. Yes, the story that has been emerging uh, over the last week or so is around uh, fans' access to watching other games in the tournament if they're not in the stadium. And you'll find this hard to believe, Willem, but as it stands at the moment, you and Edge and the rest of the uh, people going with uh, with green and gold will struggle to find anywhere which is broadcasting any of the other games uh, at the tournament. And this is to do with the host broadcaster, which is BN Sport. We all know about BN Sport. They're a major broadcaster. have essentially priced out a lot of the the venues around Qatar with what they're asking for for the uh, for the World Cup feed, something that we would that we would take for granted. So unfortunately, I think unless you're in a fan park, uh, which you may or may not want to be all the time, albeit that's where the only one of the only places you'll get a pint. Well, at the moment, or you've done your research on that. But if you're in your hotel room, if you're in the suit in a little cafe somewhere, if you're you know, having a bit of the local shisha and, and having one of those jet black coffees and lots of other uh, stereotypes that I can come up with about the Middle East, you're probably not going to be watching the World Cup in the corner. And that is going to be a real shame. You're going to have to go bowling or something. <laughs> One of Derek's best jokes ever as Rob, as Rob drops his headphones. Uh, yeah, look, not ideal, Derek, but doesn't surprise BN. We've uh, we've covered the uh, the difficulties that they seem to cause uh, throughout their sort of tenure as rights holders and the way they sort of manage their rights across international borders. Um, that's okay. I'll be home for the group stage, or rather for the uh, for the knockout stage. I think Edge perhaps might uh, might struggle tucking into those games later in the tournament, uh, unless he's in the shisha bar, Rob. Yeah, he probably will be. Um, I, I, I still have asked him from time to time uh, if he'll uh, he'll get a hold of some of the local uh, regalia. Um, I would love to see um, Edge dressed up as uh, as a local Middle Eastern um, wearing a dish dash or something like that. Uh, um, it would be fascinating. <laughs> well, if you see I will get a photo of him on the banana lounge with his feet up, Rob. I promise you that. <laughs> All right, mate. Well done. Thank you. And Derek, you too, and Damo as well, and to everybody who has been out there listening. And before we go, I just wanted a little shout out from our mate Jamie Jackson. Uh, please follow his Instagram. Uh, um, uh, he is a prolific poster and uh, is uh, very entertaining if you follow Jackson. So make an effort to to do just that. And also, we would like you to subscribe to Box to Box, Box to Box Stoppage Time, Box to Box Offside, wherever you get your podcasts. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.